Welcome, dear listener. It has been a very long time since we were last here. Uh, my gosh, it, I mean, last time we had an episode was midway through the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, you know, yeah. I, I guess your eventual Stanley Cup champions were the Colorado Avalanche. So, woohoo! There you go. See a team win other than the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, you know, big congrats to them. Uh, well deserved, well earned. Uh, I should say, we're going to be covering some of the NHL trades, some of the NHL free agency, and then essentially the seven Canadian teams, what's going on and what we perceive might happen, what, you know, probably should happen. Uh, So thank you for waiting. It it has certainly been a while and we do appreciate all the support. Uh, Alex, uh, I know you wanted to say a couple things, so I'll I'll let you take it away. Yeah. So firstly, uh, it was planned to have this podcast with our, uh, our uh, Habs correspondent Olivier, but unfortunately he's, uh, been a bit um, ill and just had uh, some kind of physical issue, so he he's unable to to be with us. But I, I wanted to shout him out, and he he'll be listening, and um, he's gonna be all right, but uh, just not in the right place to to do this podcast. But we've been uh, prepping with him, so I just wanted to shout him out, and um, also as it is with you know basically every type of uh, uh, breaking news and and podcasting and and news in any general uh, in any sense um, there's a very good chance that there's something that breaks while this podcast is going Nichushkin for the avalanche just signed a eight year 6.125 million dollar uh well aav uh and it looks like matt murray's about to be dealt to the send so i'll have my twitter oh uh, yeah sorry to the toronto maple Leafs from the sends and I'll have my Twitter open. So, and and there might be other stuff too. So, uh, I'm not going to try to break news. I'm going to focus on the podcast. But if something happens, we might uh, touch base just so our podcast isn't dated by the first minute uh, we post it for you guys. So, yeah, just wanted to to show you out. And um, I'm really really excited for this podcast. So let's get it started. righty. we're going to start with the Montreal Canadiens now. I mean, how can we not start with them? First overall pick in the NHL draft that's happening in Montreal, La Belle Province. Um, <laughs> now, okay, I, I, I think we were a little, I mean, actually, well, I was caught off guard. I think you had predicted it correctly, as well as everyone that you were essentially following had predicted it more or less correctly. Mm, yeah. Yuri uh, Slavkovsky, he went first overall, first Slovak to come first overall, and then Second overall was also Slovak. So, you know, great, great to see them have some, uh, uh, you know, positive. The highest, the highest ever Slovaks were, no one had ever been higher than, I believe, three, which was Gabarik. So it, yeah, uh, back in, it def- I think, 2000. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. So uh, big day for the Slovaks. And uh, yeah, I, I think, I don't think it was over. It was for sure that the intel around the league was that the Habs were going to take uh, Yurkovsky, I, I think I hope I hope I said that name. Um, Slavkovsky, sorry. Um, but overall, that was kind of where the kind of momentum was going at the um, as the draft kind of commenced, and um, not a total surprise. But I, I I still felt they would have picked right just because of being in Montreal. But the Habs fans seemed to to there was that kind of audible gasp that you heard in the crowd when they when they picked him. There and, was some booing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think quickly they kind of 
enjoyed him and uh and they weren't done for for that for the draft night so that became also very exciting for Habs fans they kind of stole the show and right after that pick I I don't know if the second overall pick went ahead but shortly after the first number one overall pick they ended up having some pretty drastic trades uh one acquiring Kirby Doc from the Chicago Blackhawks uh in return now, I'm forgetting it on the top of my head, uh, but I think it was for a first and a second in 2022, while also trading away Romanov to the Islanders for the Islanders' first overall or first round okay. pick. So yeah. crazy to see Kirby Doc come in, but also slightly odd to see Romanov leave. Um, now, I mean, th- this essentially means, I mean, we, we knew that Montreal was going into a rebuild. Uh, I mean, looking at their players that are 22 and under, Right now on their current roster, it's only Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, and I believe Kirby Dach. Um, uh, now, of course, if Yuri Sapkowski uh, makes, makes it to the team next season, although I do believe he'll probably uh, start off in the AHL. Uh, mm-hmm. But if he does start with the team, they only have a few guys that are young. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they have a lot of bad contracts. Like you go through their cap friendly you have Josh Anderson uh, making five and a half for another five years. You have Dvorak, who's a decent player, making four and a half. Armia's playing, you know, our uh, our uh, sacred uh, soul in Joel Armia of uh, for for Olivier, um, his favorite player. They still have Paul Byron making three point four, and then obviously on the decor they have Petrie, who's making a lot. Um, Savard's making a lot so they they have a lot of guys that Joel are making a lot of money five. for long term it's not just expirings mm-hmm. really um, so <clears throat> like right now they're at the cap and that I mean that's including Carey Price mm-hmm. but still um, and uh, and Drouin who's been injured for long stretches of time but yeah overall they actually don't have a lot of cap space and they don't actually have a lot of young players it's really Suzuki, Caulfield and that's really it. And and now they'll obviously, as you mentioned, have Doc and um, Slavkovsky. Um, but that's the interesting part of that deal is that they traded Romanov, who's I think he's 22, 22. maybe 23 yeah, 22. in his 23 year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's an interesting decision. They basically, as you mentioned, traded him for the 13th overall pick and then took that 13th overall pick and flipped it for Kirby Doc. I don't, I don't, I like the move. I think Chicago is kind of getting killed for all the trades and I kind of agree with all of them. I think they could have got more for, for that. I think the Kirby doc might be the least kind of blown trade, but he's only 21. He was the third overall pick three years ago and his best year was a non COVID year, which was his rookie season. So if I'm them, I think it's a flyer and worth it. And Romanov is good, but again, it's not like he's, changing your decor he's a good defenseman he might be your kind of four on a good team but he's not a game changer and um i think it's a it's a good trade i think now you kind of have after missing on shane wright well you maybe not missing but not taking him now you have two young centers in kirby dock and nick suzuki that's the thing. So Kirby Doc is listed as a center and I believe a left wing. I think predominantly he was playing on the wing. Do mm-hmm. they do the Montreal Canadiens see Kirby Doc as a as their number two center I moving think so. forward? 
Yeah, he's he's a right shot, so I don't know if he's a left winger. I don't believe he is, but I might, I might be getting that wrong. But I know he's a right shot, but I think that's right wing, right wing. Sorry. Yeah, but that, I think that's the plan, and and maybe maybe it doesn't turn out that way. They're still going to be tanking next year for Connor Bedard, so I think if Connor Bedard uh, comes into the fold, or even Mitchkov, who I think is a winger, but um, either way, if they, let's say, get Bedard, I don't think uh, they're going to be, hey, uh, Kirby Doc, you're not going to be playing center, or you're going to play center over Connor Bedard. So, but I think in the case that doesn't happen, which is likely because you only have 18% chance at winning the draft lottery. And for two years in a row, that'd be pretty rare. Yeah, yeah. So I think for them, that's the plan and see how it goes. But you get another top, highly skilled young player under team control um, to kind of build with this team. Right. So I, I really like the move and it's, it was a, it was a bold move and good for them. They made a lot of interesting moves in the draft on draft day. Now, before we move on, I would also like to bring up the fact that they had lost the Stanley cup playoffs the season before, and then they become the worst team or pretty much the, I, I can't remember if they were the worst team or the second worst team in the NHL, but they won the first overall draft pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, how often does that happen? That, oh, that, that must be incredibly rare. It must be. I, I don't know what it is, but yep, that uh, that can't. I I mean, I'm sure if you found someone, I'm sure TSN or Sportsnet stats guru has that, but I, it must have not happened for years. And I think some of that is COVID. I think that team mm-hmm. was probably one of the worst teams ever to make the cup final in a long, long time. Definitely. So, yeah, but again, I wouldn't. Even with that being said, the the demise was very quick. But if you look at the team, it makes sense. They have a lot of guys making too much money on long-term deals, right? And that's not a way to have sustained success, right? Um, And obviously, Price got injured, which is the main reason they made the finals last year, too. They also traded away uh, Shea Weber's contract for Evgeny Dadanoff, I believe. Yep. So, I guess, I mean, well... Vegas Golden Knights wanted Weber's contract for the uh, long-term injury reserve. As I, I, I think it's fair to say Weber's career is pretty much over. Yeah. Uh, lots of injuries, battled through lots of different injuries. So uh, unfortunate that we won't see him anymore because he was a fantastic defenseman. But of course, uh, after playing so many years in the NHL, uh, it's going to have a toll on your body. So um, yeah. unfortunate to see Weber gone. Now, uh, I don't think Montreal has announced a captain yet. Do we anticipate anyone coming up? No, I'd be very surprised they have a captain in the next year or two, just because they're going to be so young. Um, Now, who knows if they get Connor Bedard, maybe he's their captain in two years from now, like a McDavid, right? Suzuki. Suzuki. Who knows? I just, normally those teams don't have captains for young teams that really aren't close, even close to being a playoff team. Um, or or a contender, let's say. Um, As we saw with Ottawa for a very long time. Yeah, and look at the Leafs. They didn't get – Tavares became captain, what, 19 and 19? I think 1920 he became captain. His second season. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, – and that team had been a playoff team for three straight years, right, and lost in game seven every time. Oh, actually, no, they didn't in 2017. But, yeah, you get my point is it – with young teams, they tend not to have captains, so – I'd be surprised. And there's no clear cut kind of guy you give it to anyways. All righty. Moving over to the Vancouver Canucks. Now this is 
a you know it, it's a new beginning and and as a Canucks uh fanatic person fan whatever you want to call me uh you know seeing the end of the Benning era mm-hmm. it, it it feels like a you know something lift off my shoulder it feels like a weight lifted off my shoulder yeah. and it, it's the start of the rubber Rutherford Alvin era um you know they already signed Brock Besser to a three-year 6.65 million AAV um, they haven't yet traded Miller, but I know they really wanted to. I've, um, and I think if the Montreal deal had not traded, if the Montreal, if Montreal did not trade with the Islanders, I think the Islanders might have traded for Miller. Yeah. Um, but there are some more RFAs that remain to be signed. But I would like to, you know, say it seems like we have a dedicated plan in place. And mm-hmm. it seems like Vancouver are going to go ahead with that. Now, I mean, of course, we, we don't know what will happen, but you tr- need to try and find some value for JT Miller. Of course, the market isn't as high as, as it, I mean, for him as perhaps someone else. Um, I know the goalies are a hot commodity and every team has pretty much been trading for or trying to get a, a goalie of some kind. I mean, uh, with uh, Huso going to, oh, I think was Detroit. It? Detroit, you have uh, Vanacek? No. Yeah, he went to Devils. Yeah, New Jersey Devils, I believe. Yep. Uh, Georgiev going to the Colorado Avalanche. So, you know, goalies are getting, you know, picked up. And it looks like Washington Capitals are going to be signing Darcy Kemper. It looks like they're not going to be keeping Ilya uh, Sansonov. Um, But it's not the same market for forwards. Yeah, well, the I just – I forget if it was – I think it was Friedman. It was either Friedman or Chris Johnson – uh, said today that until recently he had heard that the Canucks were not uh, on JT Miller were not letting other teams talk to his agent basically on a long-term deal but it sounds as though over the weekend that's kind of changed I think that makes a lot of sense um, I'm honestly shocked they didn't do that earlier uh, because all indications were that they they were letting go of him they were going to get rid of him and obviously if you have an extension built in then you get way more draft ass or draft assets or just prospects and players and everything. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And I wouldn't be surprised in the next week if he gets traded as teams kind of miss out on free agents. Right. Uh, for example, we'll talk about Goudreau later. He's actually kind of been linked to the Rangers. Let's say they strike out on him. Then they go and settle course with JT Miller and give up picks and prospects. So from, from my eyes, I think that makes a lot of sense for the Canucks, and we'll see what they get. Uh, if I'm them, I'm asking for more or equivalent to Debrinket, but mm-hmm. we'll see if that's able if that's the case, especially because he has such a lower cap hit for next year, and the Canucks could even maybe salary retain. I don't really know how that works if then there's an extension, but I'm sure there's some way they can uh, help another team out too. And here's the thing about that, right? It's like, it, it'll be, it, it'll depend on how teams view him. Do teams think of JT Miller as a rental piece and just someone they could just pick up for one season? Or do teams see him as a viable option for the future? Now, he is going to be turning 30, I believe, at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, or, I mean, in the coming months, I believe. Yeah. He's not young. He's not a spring chicken. He... Yeah his value is going to be dependent on how teams view him. 
Is he going to be a core piece? I mean, with, with, with Colorado Avalanche signing Nachushkin, I don't know if they're going to maybe view JT Miller as perhaps a replacement for Nazem Kadri. Yeah, I um, yeah, I don't think that would be their backup plan just because mm-hmm. of the assets, uh, but maybe, maybe. I just don't think if they get him, they're not signing him long-term, right? Mm-hmm. So, And, and that's um, the thing. How do teams view it? But what Vancouver ends up doing, you know, not having – I mean, the, the previous organization, the previous front office – always wanted to you know they never wanted to give up an asset they never wanted to give up see like not doing as well in the current stage but doing better in the future they never thought about the future it was always about how can i improve now and that has ultimately bitten them in the arts a couple or numerous times and it'll be interesting to see whether this organization this front office this new management team will do the same or if they actually understand you know, having um, that cap space is an enormous help. Now they they'll lose their ninety nine point player JT Miller uh, that he was last season, but it creates so much flexibility that you have more to work with going forward. And, and I think that is what they need to focus on, because if they don't, we're going to be in the same uh, cycle that we were in with the previous management team. Yeah, and they have a good forward group. Even if they lose Miller, they have, assuming Pedersen, who played better to end the year, keeps that up. And Horvat, I, I think Friedman, I'm, I'm, I've been listening to too many other podcasts and, and uh, insiders talk, and I forget who said what, But um, so don't aggregate me. But someone was saying that the, it sounds like Horvat, there's a decent chance they can get a long-term extension done, mm-hmm. uh, which makes a lot of sense. So, and they just signed Besser who they walk him straight to free agency, but that's a pretty team friendly deal, honestly, Mm -hmm. with his production and with the salary cap going up, I think he's kind of worth that deal. I mean, you take a risk, but can the Canucks be a contender in two years from now, maybe in year three, I think so. If they play the JT Miller thing, right. For example, if they were to trade him to New York for a Braden Schneider or a they have mm-hmm. an excess of defense, right? That kind of makes a lot of sense. It doesn't have to be that. Or to Miller, the, perhaps as well. Yeah, or to the Canes who have an, a plethora of defense who are missing kind of that top end forward, especially with that kind of grit. It makes a lot of sense. So I think depending on what they get back, if I'm them, I prioritize defensive prospects because they don't have a lot. And also their forward group actually is pretty solid. It's not the best in the league but it's good enough to be a very good team in the league it's the rest of the team well really the decor because i think demko Mm -hmm. has shown himself to be a stud oh the 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 decor is is one of the worst built in the league and and that's been apparent for the last couple of years um talking about their forwards you know we talk about the short-term three-year deal for brock besser now if in three years he'll be 28 years old at that time um, uh, he's 25 right now. So after three years, he'll be 28. Um, he might be 29, depending on when his birthday. No, no, he'll be 28 because he was born in February. Um, but at that point, we will also maybe see some players that are young and in the prospect line come up to the main team. And at that point, we might say, okay, we don't necessarily need Brock Besser. We don't need, maybe we don't need to sign him for long-term once he's 28. That gives us more options moving forward. 
Um, now, I, I think a 28-year-old Brock Besser, I think it would probably, at this point, I would like him to stay long-term. But of course, I mean, Elias Pedersen's younger. And if we have other players, I mean, Vasily Podkolzin looks to be really good. Um, I don't know what kind of player he'll be in that he looks like he'll be a really solid second line uh, player, um, but we still don't essentially know. But we can acquire other players, other young players as well. And I mean, as I mentioned, if younger players in the system come up, then, you know, that gives us more options to move forward, right? We don't necessarily need to continue the cycle of just extending or signing really bad long-term contracts. Yeah. No, and, and that's the one thing this group seems to have done. It's been pretty rash. They've kind of the the deal they did with Ottawa to get rid of Hamannick. And <clears throat> it, there's been some, thing, some talk about trying to trade Tyler Myers. Now, I don't know how feasible that is, but mm-hmm. at least that's the kind of deal you like to hear if you're a Canucks fan after all the time of them signing guys. And it doesn't sound like they're kind of big players and free agency for players. And they don't, for that matter, they really don't have the cap to be this year, and that's okay. I think with Boudreaux, they have a coach that can probably get them to the playoffs in that division, although it'll be interesting this year what teams kind of in that division take a next step. But, yeah, I think they're in a good spot, but they're not in the best spot because they're kind of a good but not great team, and they're not that bad where they can tank and get Connor Bedard and be there to – I mean, maybe they – have a bad year and get him but that's pretty unlikely that they'd be that bad to get him so they're kind of in a weird position and I think the JT Miller trade is just super important to manage basically their future from going from good to great because I think they're a good team but they're not a great team and it'll be interesting to see what happens and also with the addition of Andre Kuzmenko I mean we don't necessarily know how he'll fit into this puzzle. Um, And with the Rutherford camp, they've always traded Tanner Pearson whenever they had the opportunity to do so. So um, (laughs) I might expect Tanner Pearson to be gone at some point, uh, perhaps with retained salary, because he is making more than he probably should. Um, But of course, as you mentioned, if if JT Miller is traded away, this team is going to be a lot worse in the meantime, especially if, I mean, as much as I never liked Tyler Myers, with this current decor, they kind of need Tyler Myers. Um, yep. We don't really have many right-handed defensemen. Only he and Travis Dermott, who can play kind of left and right, yep. are this team's right-handed defensemen. Uh, Luke Shen is also there, but he can barely skate. So, yeah, I mean, th- there's that issue. And that's And that's the problem with the other – uh other with benning was that there was there's nothing in the cupboard right mm-hmm. now they get to retool but even now this year they they're missing a second round pick so i think again with miller it expedites the kind of retool i guess because you get someone that isn't staying and you get a lot of value back you get a couple maybe a first a second a top prospect something along this assuming he resigns with that said team so either way i think it will get done eventually by the start of the season or worse comes to worse, probably at the trade deadline. And then they get a ransom back. All righty. Now, before we move on, I want to ask you one thing. Who do you consider untouchables on this Vancouver Canucks lineup? 
Yeah, I thought about this question a lot. And at first I only had one. And then I thought to myself, it's really two. And then I thought to myself, maybe it's three, but I think it's really two. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if it's what you would say, but I think the untouchables are uh, Demko and Hughes. I think those are the two guys you have. It's hard to find a goalie in the league that is at least the past two years has been consistent. He's young enough where you're not, he's not kind of going over the age cliff. If anything, he's entering his prime. There's no reason that he should fall off. And he's really been one of the best goalies in the league. And then you have that dynamic top defenseman that every team kind of wishes for. I know my Winnipeg jets do because we really haven't had that. I guess Bufflin for a little bit was that, but in a very different sense, but overall, that's, I think, my untouchables. I think Pedersen is close to that, but again, you, you never know. I think if the, if someone comes on the market that could be younger and better and wants out uh, and wants to come to Vancouver or whatever, right? Let's say an Alex Debrinkit type kind of player was kind of upset or wanted to leave and it kind of made sense I think you kind of make that move right because mm -hmm. Pedersen hasn't actually been that as touted as he was in his rookie year since his rookie year he's kind of been iffy he's still obviously a great player but no his second at, year he was he was just a dynamic yeah but you get my point is that ever since his first I guess year or two he hasn't really been that a hundred point guy, which we kind of thought he'd be kind of a Panarin a little bit. Maybe that's not the best comp, uh, comparison, but a kind of very skilled forward that gets you, I guess, Johnny hockey, those kind of players that aren't kind of, they don't beat you with pure power uh, more with skill and finesse. Right. So I think he's close to untouchable, but again, he might be leaving soon. We'll see. He doesn't, he hasn't, he didn't sign a long-term deal like Hughes did. So that's for me, the, the kind of how it stands. How about you? I'm curious to see what, how you think. So I have three, but I was maybe considering four. Wow. Um, now the fourth option, it's, it's not an untouchable. It's, I would only trade him if something really good came up. Um, otherwise I, I, I would want to keep him for long-term. Uh, my, my, I mean, as you stated, you know, Demko and Hughes, it's, it's almost, it's near impossible to find players like that. Um, I would say at least Pedersen. Um, now, although I do agree with you in the sense that he hasn't been lights out as he was in say his first season, especially in his first season, his second season, he wasn't as flashy, but mm -hmm. he was still dynamic and he had more of a two-way presence. So in his first season, he wasn't as, um, he wasn't the 200 foot player that, you know, people would want in the future, but in his second season, he became that 200 foot player. Yeah. Um, now his third season is where we saw a lot of uh, regression where yeah. he was slowing down. Uh, he had a really slow start and then he got and by the time he started doing really well, um, he got injured at the 26 game mark. Yeah. Um, in his fourth season, I mean, he still ended up with 68 points in 80 games, which I think is really good, especially given the fact that he started off horribly, just like his third season. So I think if they can figure out how to get him to start um, 100% uh, during his fifth season, I, I think he is still that dominant player that the Canucks need, and, and, they, and he'll be like that 
for the years to come. Um, I, I think when people saw him in his first NHL season, there were talks of him perhaps being a, you know, top five center in the league. Um, I did, I mean, I did hear rumors or I did hear people talking about that discussion, whether that was realistic or not. I mean, what we're seeing right now, it, it's not. Um, instead of being a top five center in the league, we might have to be okay with the fact that he could be a top 15 center in the league, Yeah, you know, still pretty much almost a point per game player. Um, just not at that elite, elite, elite level that we had perhaps first thought of. Yeah. Um, and now he still has 221 points in 245 games, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they can work out why he hasn't been doing well at the first few games. Now, I do know at the start of this season, he had a hurt wrist. Um, now, I, I don't know how much you can actually you know credit that for why he started off slowly. It, it, did, it did feel like he just wasn't on the top of his game uh, as, as opposed to, you know, the wrist being the issue. Yeah. Um, but if they can figure that out, then I think he'll be fine and he should be considered untouchable. Now, the fourth player that I had, it wasn't untouchable. It was just, I would not trade him unless if the deal provided was really good and really favorable to the Canucks was Vasily Podkolzin. He has very good two-way. Um, he's very good in both offensive and defensive uh, in, the both de- in both zones. He was getting unlucky at certain times offensively, but he picked up his rate of scoring at the second half of the season. Um, and I think he could be perhaps an elite penalty killer, penalty killer in the future. Um, which, I mean, if you look at this team, they weren't built that way. Everyone thinks this team or everyone on this team wants to score, but no one can defend. And we have very few people that could actually play on the penalty kill. And mm-hmm. we're starting to see Elias Pettersson, Bo Horvat, and a few other players come in, but it's still, it's pretty lackluster. I think, I, I get your point, I think, but I think Paul Cozen just can't be untouchable. There's going to be a player that, there's yeah. going to be a player that you would trade him for, like that isn't even Connor McDavid, right? Like, let's say it's someone not named Connor McDavid or maybe Austin Matthews. There's still probably someone out there that you would trade him for. So, mm. I get your reasoning. I, I wouldn't trade him. I'm not in a rush to, but that's like saying that I don't want to ch- trade Shane Pinto. Like, it's like, yeah, I love Shane Pinto, but I might trade Shane, P- Shane Pinto. And he hasn't done enough in the NHL. Well, Col- Paul Colson did more because Pinto has been hurt as an example, but it's, he's been in the league for 70 games. Right. So yeah. I, I get what you, your reasoning, but I think that's maybe a bit too strong to put him as an, no, so so I, I'm not putting him as an untouchable. Oh, okay. um, I'm just saying, unless the right deal came ahead, yeah, I would not move him. Yeah. It would have to, it would have to be for something really favorable for the Canucks, yeah. which I, I just don't see happening. Yeah, no, I get that. All righty, let's move on to the Ottawa Senators. Big moves on their part. So Trade much. Their seventh, 39th, and a third in 2024 for a two-time 40 goal scorer Alex DeBrincat. Uh, 20 mil left in the cap salary. Um, and I, I mean, I, I forgot to mention, he also has a $9 million qualifying offer for, I believe, at the end of next season. Yep. Um, so hopefully, I mean, if they can manage to get him to stay, that looks like a really good deal for Ottawa. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I just thought you were going to continue. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is a home run trade. I don't really see – there's definitely risk, and we've talked about it off air. Uh, you are very worried that you're going to have to pay him $9 million. But the thing is, is that even let's say you can't get a deal with him to start next year and you have to wait a year – I think if he if he leaves in after two years, it's not a home run. But I think overall, it looks as though, and we'll see at the start of this year who's on the team, who's not, how, and then how they do, of course. But this might be the thing that gets you Claude Giroux. This might get the thing that gets you Mackenzie Weaver if if you can sign and trade for him, or it kind of allows you to make the move to then because they still didn't trade a prospect or a player off the roster, right? So they can still flip X, Y, and Z for a top four defenseman. They've been linked to John Marino, Jacob Chikrin. I think that's a bit less likely, but he was... That would be a fantastic trade. I I like Marino more just in terms of cap and probably cost, and he's a right shot instead of a left. But overall um and right now it sounds like murray's going to get traded uh it's not confirmed but it darren drager just tweeted about half an hour that it's close assuming almost for sure even if they take back for example a justin hall from the leafs they'll still have a cap savings of some sort um even if they uh took some of murray's salary which i think is probably given so and then there's rumors that they'll trade zaitsev and cap dump him anyways long story short is i love the trade i think it's worth it they had to eventually use their capital and assets to go and be a good team and now Debrinkin might not sign long term although it sounds as though there's a decent chance he might i don't think it's a certain chance i think but i don't think it's a i don't think he's there's no chance he's resigns and if you look at this team let's just assume they don't get Giroux. okay which it does seem more likely than not, I'd say, from the reporting, almost everyone says Ottawa to Giroux, okay? But even let's say he doesn't happen, their top five is one of the best top fives in the whole league in terms of you have Debrinket, who's a 40-goal scorer, uh, top top six forwards, but the five. They, they're missing a winger. But you have Batherson, Kachuk, Norris, Debrinket, and Stutzla. That is one of the best top forward groups in the league. And they're all super young, which is even more exciting. But Norris was on pace for like 48 goals last year. The Brinkett had 40 goals last year. Kachuk is almost a point-per-game player. Batherson was a point-per-game player. Josh Norris, I just mentioned. And then obviously Tim Stutzla, who played really well at the end of the year when he actually played with players that were good or half-decent. Right, he was playing with Alex Alex Formanton and Connor Brown was was his wingers for most of the year, and I really like those players, but that's not ideal for your second line. So, I just think they're going to be such a good dynamic offensive team. And if anything, my worry is less about Giroux and it's more about can we get defensemen that are good? Because right now, we are thin. We have. Three guys that I trust, one that's a decent placeholder, and the rest is just a sunk cost. Um, I, I think Brandstrom, there's still a chance, but I don't think you have to, you can't count on them. They have Zub and Shabbat, who are great defensemen, can be in your top four any day. 
And then Sanderson should be able to, but he could be hurt. He's always been hurt the last year. He was basically hurt the whole, the whole year. So, and he's still hurt. He's still not fully recovered um, yet. And it's July. So there's a lot of ifs again, goaltending, but on paper, this team should be a really competitive team. And um, I think even if they trade a Connor Brown or, um and Zaitsev they'll add in free agency they have some young guys still coming up I think Shane Pinto if he can be healthy can be a really really good player his metrics and his small sample size were amazing so yeah I think this team can be really good and I think Forsberg showed enough that he can be a good goalie now who knows it's goaltending but I'm not as worried about him actually being terrible right he might not be as good but they just need good goaltending and uh, they haven't in, in five years. So um, I'm just really up on this team. And I think, I think it's great for Sens fans. We're super excited. I'm on a billion Sens Twitter threads right now. Uh, it's bumping. The season ticket holders are happy. And I just really excited. And to go back to Dabrinka to end this monologue, people, you mentioned he's a 9 million qualifying offer. He's worth that money. Even, even, even if you have to qualify him, it's not like you're qualifying some guy that isn't worth $9 million. He's a 40 goal scorer and he's 24, right? It's not like he's 32, 33, right? He's proven it. Now he's not playing with Patrick Kane for sure, but you give him the guys he's playing with. It's not like he's playing with bad players. So um, other than Patrick Kane, who was he playing with? That was good. So, but Patrick Kane is that good too. So, um, I think overall it probably just mitigates itself. Um, and I just, I think this team's going to be really good and I'm really excited and they should be a playoff contender and we'll see what happens. Um, I don't, I don't think they're a cup contender. I'm not silly, but I think they should feel like they can make the playoffs. And now they're probably going to be closer to a wildcard team, but the Atlantic's t- taking a step back. I don't think Tampa will be as good. I don't think Boston will be as good. Florida's kind of, we'll see, but um, I think there's an opening there that they can kind of snag. Um, but I think boss, I think Buffalo and Detroit will also be better. So they have that as well. So mm-hmm. it'll be, it'll be tough. I think the Atlantic's the toughest division and that's kind of the shitty part, but overall. You said, uh, you just said the Atlantic was dropping down a bit. Well, I think overall it's going to be the most competitive. I don't think there's a team that will be bad, bad um Montreal oh yeah okay other than Montreal that they they have seven really competitive teams um yeah so I mean I I see where you're coming I see where you're coming and I I I think there is truth to it um I look at this top top end you know top five players that you're referring to and I mean you know you have an incredibly young team Brady Kachuk's 22, Alex Dabrinkit's 24, Batherson's 24, uh, Stutzel is, is 20, uh, Alex Formanton's 22, Matthew Joseph, uh, he, he's 25. Like, mm-hmm. you, you have a young team, and, and they're really solid players. My worry is not can they score and not so much, you know, I'm not so much questioning their ability to do well offensively. I'm more questioning they're two-way game sets. I don't yep. have a lot of um, trust 
yet and uh, now of course i'm not watching them as much as say you do i'm not looking at their high-end analytics as much as you might or or others but i'm am worried about their two-way playing so for example every goal that they score i see them conceding a goal like i'm just i'm still i'm still worried about that but then on top of that when you only have and as you mentioned the defense is horrible no no and that's yeah, no, no, just to say, I'm presuming because all the buzz is that they're adding a, def- a right shot D or another top 4D. If they don't get that top 4D, um, then I, I take it back. Because I think, again, even though, though Debrinket's amazing, he's not even as big of a problem as a top pairing defenseman. Um, I think Sanderson will be that good if he's healthy, but they still need another defenseman. So... If they don't get that, I think everything you said is completely valid because even though they got better at conceding this year compared to previous years where they were literally the worst or like bottom five, mm. they're still not good enough defensively. So I, I completely agree. But see, I, I'm, I'm separating the forward group from the defense group as well as the goalie. So when I'm looking at your forwards group, as much as I can see them scoring a lot, I do also see them just not being at the right place at the right time kind of thing yeah. and conceding because of it. Now yeah. we talk about the top six that can do really well. I think the bottom six is going to let you down for the most part. I, um, I, I think you know, it, it depends. Sorry. I think it depends, right? Because right now all the rumors is that Connor Brown leaves, right? Mm-hmm. Is getting traded. I don't necessarily hate it, but it's who's coming instead of him. Are they signing someone else in free agency? Um, obviously, let's say you get Claude Giroux, you're not subtracting, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you, but let's say you add Giroux and you trade Brown. Well, you're just getting a better player. Like I love Connor Brown, but Claude Giroux's better, right? And then let's see, Formington. He's not really- as versatile as Brown is. No, no, he's player. not. But Formington's a really good defensive player. And really good on the PK, like amazing on the PK. Matthew they have young guys. They have young guys like Shane Pinto. If he can be healthy, should be an absolute amazing defensive player. He was great in the players, and he's your third line center, which is what they need. A really good, and he's good offensively too. So there, there is holes. I'm not, but there's also young guys that are ready to make the step. Ridley Gregg, who's a really good player. Now, he might get traded for a top four defenseman. That's kind of the rumors. But he's a really good, I think, would be a good kind of checking player. He can play that game at the next level. He plays that way anyways, right? Mm. So, um, and then they have other guys like Sokolov. Like, they have a lot of guys that can plug and play. But I agree. I think it'll be interesting to see what their – sorry, I'm going to sneeze – what their third line is. Uh, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but but again, it, it then goes to their defense. You know, they have Thomas Shabbat. Um, you guys, you guys being all of our Ottawa friends, rate Arden Zub. Yeah. Um, if Jake Sanderson can make it to the next level, then that'll be a great additional help. And but he's not just supposed to be. He's not and, just supposed to be good. He's supposed to be really good, right? Okay, right. But just until he does it, be healthy. But, but until we, we, but that's. Just, just assuming that he's good. We don't know until he actually does it, right? So mm-hmm. there's no point in, I mean, you can speculate that he will be, but until he actually does prove that he's, you know, should be there, um, I'm still going to err on the side of caution. 
Um, and then when you consider goaltending, I mean, you, you mentioned Anton Forsberg has proven that he can be good. He can be reliable, but that's still a big hole. There's no inkling. I don't see Anton Forsberg as a, as a true number one or one a, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, I, I still see it as a significant hole that they have not addressed. And if they, I mean, I, I don't think Matt Murray has been anywhere near, uh, you know, where he's as good as what his money is suggesting he should be. Um, and if, if you trade him, I mean, who do you bring in? Goalies well, are getting Gustafson who's on a, They have Gustafson who's on a one-way, but again, he hasn't been good enough in the NHL. Mm. They're, they're Bruce. I do not, do not love Bruce Garriott, but He's he has a lot of inside information, and I'm sure that's Dorian or someone in the team is telling him. They have been told that they're rumored to look at other goalies. Could they look at Samsonov as the backup? Have a one A one B that would make a lot of sense to me. Get bringing him in. I, who knows? But there's a lot of goalies that you can get as like a one. You could get a Grison. They can get guys in if they really want, if they don't feel comfortable, um, or just get them later in the year for a third round pick or a fourth round pick, right? If, if Gustafson and Forsberg aren't kind of, I, I, these days as a lot of insiders say, goaltending's a big, a lot of musical chairs, unless you have Connor Hellebuck or Vasilevsky really, or Demko really. So I get your point. I think it's completely valid, but I also think it's pretty easy to just get another goalie and ride the hot wave, right? So, and I, I just don't have confidence that, it'll be riding a hot wave. So to speak. yeah, but Forsberg's underlying numbers last year and his numbers themselves were good, but his underlying was very good. So we'll see. I think it's an if, but he played like a whole season essentially as a really, really excellent goalie. Hmm. So we'll see, but I, I trust him enough that I think they'll have adequate goaltending and Gustafson has been good enough and he's still young. Um, and they have a bunch of other goalies in the AHL that are probably good enough to come up in a pinch that are like Mad Sogard played pretty well in Belleville. Uh, Mandalese has been good enough. They, they have a lot of goalies coming up. Now, they don't really have a guy that you see as the next stud, but they have enough where they can kind of they have enough in their system where if Gustafson sucks, they have guys that are old enough and probably ready by next year to at least play a little bit. So we'll see. Um, and obviously you never know, there could be an injury and, but that's kind of like any team, right? So um, yeah, I think the defense is more of the worry than the goaltending, but I still, I think your point is valid for sure. And I, I guess before moving on to Winnipeg, because we are spending a bit longer than we probably should. And they're the juicy team, team right now. Um, we, we spoke about the Atlantic division. I, uh, I think they'll be, you know, challenging. I think they'll be more, I think they'll be a lot better off than they have been in previous years. But to me, I think Detroit has taken a step, like step more than Ottawa in terms of perhaps making it. I, I don't think Detroit's going to make it to the playoffs at all. They but were I think worse than Ottawa bit, defensively. They were, they had no goaltending, but yeah. Right. And, and they've kind of, you know, looked into that and they've worked on that. Um, but I would say Ottawa to me seems like in a similar place that Buffalo does. They're both extremely young teams. Um, I trust an older Anderson if he stays healthy 
then I might trust. Actually, I, to be fair, yeah, I haven't I looked at his pre recent numbers. He, he, he uh, wasn't that good. He was right, but it's right. also not a very good team. Um, yeah, I don't know, but but I, I see Ottawa and Buffalo being on similar paths. I think in I think in two years from now they'll be really good. It's just right now I I see them in similar. I think areas. that I think you're also yeah I I get where you're coming from. I just think the Brinkett is amazing. Like sure. it's it's not sure. They didn't okay. just get it. It's not like they got Claude Giroux, which I really like too. And the thing is with all these teams right now is we're just speculating. We don't know what this isn't the final product, right? Because let's say the Canucks, just to go to them, right? Let's say they trade JT Miller straight up for Brandon Schneider or whatever. That actually might make their team almost as good, right? And probably not, but that's a huge difference in, in terms of how you see the Canucks as to the as sorry uh, compared to what you see them right now when they have too many forwards and not enough good defensemen, right? So I think we have to, with all these teams, just wait kind of what settles after free agency on, on Wednesday. And well, obviously the next couple of weeks, but kind of see where the team is. Because I think if you see the team right now and you say there's holes, you can say that for a lot of teams, but also it looks like they're going to have a lot, their team's going to look quite different than even what it is right now. So. Right. No, I, I, I do agree. It, it's just, when you look at the other teams in the division, I do think Boston is going to see some regression. But I think Tampa Toronto will be a top too. team. Florida, even if they lose a couple of players, they still have enough of a core to make yeah. them exceptional. And then Tampa, Tampa is still Tampa. They might lose Andre Pilata or Alex Killorn or someone like that. They already lost. They find Tampa. value in like in in the depth players. Yeah, they, but they, also they do really well. And, but, and when you have a Vasilevsky that can just steal games left, right, and center, they're still going to be a very strong team. But they, but also remember they came third in their division, right? Right. Like, I see them, no, but I they, they, them as coming okay, maybe, but they didn't do as well in their division as they had prior. That's what I'm trying to say is I think right. Tampa will still be a cup contender, but in the season, how well are they going to do, right? I'm talking about making the playoffs, I'm not talking about winning the cup. No, right. no, and I, I see that, but I, yeah. I don't see. I, I think we both disagree on where Ottawa will stand on this, and and of course we're, we're going in a little bit of a circle, so we do need to move on. Yeah. I think I see them further back, whereas you see them further forward. Yeah, but and I, I, in reality, I, it's probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think they're a fringe playoff team. Like they're mm -hmm. either, like they're either right outside or they're right inside. That's how I see them. Is ninety-seven points? You can see that. Yeah, like 90, not in the 90s. Yeah. I think that's okay. kind of their, their kind of average. Now, who knows? Like, if their goalies well, what, go what out early, they had, uh, I want to say 70 something. That's a big jump. If, if it was in the 70s, that's a big jump, though. It was in the 70s. Okay. okay. Um, it's fine. I, I trust you. That is the Ottawa Senators. We could go on for days on end talking about them and, and how we uh, differ in our approaches of that team. Uh, turning it over to the Winnipeg Jets now. Um, we can't spend a crazy amount of time, but, I mean, where, where do we see Winnipeg? It looks like they might have to rebuild, especially with Dubois stating that he would like to get traded or test out free agency. Uh, sorry, not traded, but test out free agency when yeah. his contract comes up. 
Wheeler's um, basically asked for a trade. They're working then, on it. Yeah. And Shifley as well. I mean, he has said that he views his uh, next contract outside of the province of Manitoba. Now, I mean, if that were to happen, that leaves a big hole as well as I think their decor really has some big issues. There, there are some flaws. The addition of Smith, Schmidt and Dylan have not really worked out as much as I think management would have liked them to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what do we save? Do we do, do the Winnipeg Jets need to blow it up? Do they need to retool? Um, what can they do? What should they do? Oh, I just wanted to say uh, I have some breaking uh, uh, news. It sounds as a, Darren Drager just said the expectation is Murray trade to Toronto will get done tonight. Um, and yeah, they, they talk more about Murray, how he'll be back, but, uh, yeah, it looks like Matt Murray will be a Toronto Maple Leaf by the end of tonight. So, uh, I just wanted to get that done, um, on the pod, but to go to the jets, uh, quickly. Yeah. I, I I'll just run through it quickly. Cause we've spent more kind of time on the sense who I think are more interesting for this off season. I don't think a Dubois, it sounds, I'll give you the kind of the, the spiel that it sounds as though what the Jets are doing this offseason. They got Rick Bonus, who's a really good defensive coach. What was their problem last year? They had the worst team defense, right? And good players, right? And it sounds as though they looked at trading Wheeler and they're trying to like accommodate kind of mutual interest, but he's making $8 million. And I don't think the Jets are trying to retain that much money. Maybe they could do kind of like what Arizona did with vancouver and retain like a million but again that's so much money for a guy that wants to go to a contender what contender has that kind of money um then they wanted to try to trade dylan i think that's possible but again it sounds like most teams dylan's almost making four million don't want to take him on so um if i were the jets i'd completely do something else but it sounds as though they're trying to say hey our team on paper actually should be pretty good and last year was just a horrible season out of hell let's see if we can get a new voice with a defensive coach who should address our problems which was our defense our scoring wasn't great but that wasn't the main problem we have one of the best goalies in the world we have still a lot of young players like Ehlers Connor are still really good players Connor is amazing they have Dubois who's been a workhorse even though he might leave why not we just keep him for this year and then maybe trade him next year, right? Go for it this year. I don't hate it, but if I were them, I'd trade Dubois for the first overall pick. And that might not have happened, but Dubois he is might also, If there's improvement in the squad, he might say, okay, forget yeah. what I said before. Yeah, he might. He might. I, I, I find that hard to believe with all the rumors that he wants to go to Montreal, but mm. but that's not a horrible thing. And then you have Shifley coming up in two years. So I don't hate the move. I think if they suck this year or they're middling, I think you have to blow it up next summer because you have Shifley and Dubois and expirings, but, and they don't have enough young players coming up. They have a bunch of decent prospects on the decor, but not a lot of forwards. I really like Cole Perfetti. He could be good, but yeah, they're not rebuilding and they're going to take probably another crack at it. See if a new coach can change. And then I think if that fails, then they, uh, they probably even fire the coach because he only had a two-year contract. It's not even a three-year contract, which I've wow, never seen. Not much time to work with. Yeah. So 
we can go to the Oilers, but I don't think I don't expect much from the Jets unless maybe a Wheeler trade. Already, Edmonton Oilers, they came off Western Conference Finals defeat to the eventual Stanley Cup champions. Uh, how do we see this team improving and making the necessary moves to perhaps, you know, push them over the edge and maybe make them go into the finals next year? Now, of course, it, it's always easier said than done, and it's easier to say, oh, this will this move will make them better and blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, I, I think the elephant in the room is addressing their goaltending needs, and they need to get a much younger goaltender that can be more of a, you know, less uh, inconsistent goalie and someone that can really fill the 1A position and maybe have Mike Smith as the 1B. Um, they have roughly $15 million in cap space with an additional, I think, like 4.1 for Clefbaum's LTIR. Um, I, I think it, I think you also have to sign before I, I'll, I'll let you, uh, sorry, I'm cutting you off. Um, Kane, mm. I, I think how well Kane has played, you have to sign him to an extension. They offered him, I believe, I forget who it was. Uh, I should have it. One second. I have it in my notes. They offered him a three-year deal. I think it was 4.75 or 3.75. I'm going to try to find it. Um, and he, I know they allowed him to speak or allowed his management or not management, but his agents to speak to other teams um, yeah. and see what they were willing to offer. Yeah, but uh, it might be in our other note. But either way, he 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 said no to that deal. So, yeah, so they offered him three at four point seven five uh, Friedman or weeks. Kevin Weeks reported that. Sorry. Um, and so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It sounds like he thinks he's getting way more money than that. So I don't know what team that is, but, um, I think if he leaves, maybe they look at a Patrick Kane one, if he's getting traded Really crazy, I think that we'll have to see what Patrick Kane does. I don't think that's an imminent thing, but that would be interesting. They do sound pretty dead set on trading Puyarvi, which I don't like because I think you can get. He's worth if you pay him three million a year, two and a half. He's worth that money. Mm. They have Yamamoto and McLeod as well that are our RFAs. So they just have a lot of cap crunch. Even though the, the Duncan Keith retirement um, that gave them all this excess cap space, and then they traded Cassian um, for picks and basically cap space. I I, I think it's a, get another defenseman in, re-sign your guys and then it sounds like they're getting jack campbell for five times five that's the big rumor and i think that's a good deal for them i think campbell showed in the playoffs two years in a row that he's a really good goalie he went up against great goalies and lost but it wasn't like he was going up against bad goalies and his numbers were good in the playoffs so he had the occasional you know, bad goal that he let in, but yeah, yeah. he was solid for the most part. But he wasn't the reason why they lost those playoff mm-hmm. series by no yeah. means. So I think I am, am slightly concerned when I look at this decor. Uh, now I, I look at Darnell Nurse and Evan Bouchard, both are really good. And I think Evan Bouchard has more to give. I think he can grow and take the next step. Um, he's already been phenomenal. Um, but then you look at, okay, Tyson Berry got a lot of goals and or a lot of uh, points but I don't necessarily trust him two way and mm. same with Cody CC. I, I don't really trust him. So uh, I'm worried when I look at this decor, I think they're good, but I think they need to acquire another piece to make them uh, that much better, you know, yep. kind of push them ahead. Uh, um, the, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. 
Another guy they've been linked to, I think if Kane doesn't go their way, is they've been linked to David Perron, which mm. seems like an interesting fit for them. I think I'd really like that for them. But again, we'll see. Um, he just is Frank Cervalli just said he's going to market. And that was one of the teams I think Friedman mentioned. Mm. So that could be a guy if they miss out on Kane that they could get for kind of a short-term deal and, and see. But uh, yeah, it's... Um, I definitely think it's going to be very interesting to see what they do um, a lot. You know, they'll lose a lot of depth, but again, when you have McDavid, they don't really need that that much. They were so good um, even without it. And they didn't even have great goaltending. And I think Campbell should give them above average goaltending, which is, will be a huge boost. And then if they also find some value in the bottom six for low contracts, but yeah. players like your Arturi Lekkanen types, that can really push them ahead, you know, find value in those low, yeah. uh, you know, no. low. Uh, and kind of say, hey, you get to play with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, come here mm-hmm. for one year at one million and right. get yourself a contract. Basically what Evander Kane did, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they probably won't get a player as good as Evander Kane because of his circumstances, but right that kind of like a Michael Bunting on the Leafs kind of mm. similar kind of deal. Um, I think there was also talks of maybe Mikhaev, uh going there. Yeah. I heard rumors. I don't think it will happen, but I, I don't think they have the cap space. I think he's yeah. getting about 4 million. That's what it sounds like. So um, maybe transition to the flames just as we've been, unless there's anything else you wanted to talk no, about. I, I think that's good. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, it'll be hard for them to repeat uh, what they accomplished this past season, but yeah. definitely uh, they have the tools there. And if they can oh, okay, find so the value. trade is in. Yeah. So they so Matt Murray got traded for a third round pick and a seventh round pick for nothing, and they retained twenty five percent of his salary. Oh, so that's a, that's uh, actually a decent thing for the Leafs, I think, and for the Sens, that's actually fine. Why, well, why don't we talk about the trade once we get into the Toronto yeah, portion? Yeah, yeah. But um, oh yeah, Calgary Flames. Now, this is a little crazy. Uh, Calgary had so many positives this regular season, yet so many negatives when they went into the playoffs. They had a hard time scoring. They eventually lost the Edmonton Oilers. They were inconsistent for most of the time. So. What do they do? They have roughly 27 million in cap space, but you know, Mangiapane is off the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need or sorry, well, they you know, Mangiapane is an RFA, Matthew Kachuk is an RFA, mm-hmm. the elephant in the room in Johnny Goudreau is an UFA. You know, Oliver Killington is or Shillington is an RFA as well. So, what do they do moving forward? And do they does this team have what it takes? to kind of take them to the next level because although it seems like they can find a lot of success in the regular season, it almost kind of reminds me of certain teams that were built well for the regular season, but just didn't have enough to push them to the next level in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. I think I do like their team. If they keep Goudreau and Kachuk, um, they still will have enough players like signed um, long-term um like they're going to lose a couple players but more depth pieces more than kind of their top players uh but yeah i think the elephant is in the room is is 
Goudreau staying. And if he stays, they should be still a really, really good team. Um, but if they lose him, then they're makes it harder for Kachuk because he can probably ask for more because he knows they have all this cap space. And then if Goudreau leaves, who do they target? Maybe they target a Kadri. That would kind of make sense. Although Kadri nicks the trade a uh, while back with his no trade clause um, when he was on the Leafs. Um, so it, you have to, you have to really see what happens, but I think the big it's for them, it's does Goudreau stay? If he doesn't, it's a, the end of the world. And try to mitigate the disaster, but they're just not going to be the same team. I love Kadri, but who are you getting that's as good as him? Trade JT Miller if they don't sign Johnny Goudreau. Makes sense, but he's just a bit too old, I think. Right. And you're giving up so much anyways. It just doesn't – I think for them, they try to go in in uh, free agency if they can. I think Kadri would actually be a good pick, but – Again, you're it's a, such a bidding for a guy that's going to be so old. I just don't like it if I'm them. If Kadri was four years rage, younger, but... I'd like it. But mm-hmm. I, I would say the the contracts of you know one year left on Milan Lucic. Maybe they try to get a cash dump. Yeah, and... I think if if I'm them, I'm smart and I just hold on to Monahan mm-hmm. and Lucic and get that ten million, and then go. Well, and that's the thing. So, Luch or Sean Monahan is also has one year left on his contract, six point three seven five. But I, I also think the contract of Blake Coleman is the four point nine million. Oh, it's a bad. Uh, you know these these three contracts are definitely eating up more space than you know they might like, and and I I might think that they the Calgary Flames might approach their you know window of opportunity so to speak as kind of right now so if it's right now why would you not say dump a couple of those contracts and maybe retain even like if you retain 50 percent of it you could use that three million for players that are of good quality elsewhere Mm -hmm. Uh, now not to say you trade away blake coleman because no one's going to take that but you can maybe trade away the milan lucic yeah, maybe, maybe, but they they have some nice like assets, but they don't have kind of great up and coming mm. players that can kind of be trade ships. Like for example, for JT Miller, mm. um, I think Philip Forsberg, if he had gone to market, would have been a kind of a good deal for them if they could have found him or tried to get him. But I think if they don't get Johnny Hockey, it's pretty. I don't know how good they'll be. As much as I love the other options, uh, I just don't think he's a hundred point guy. Any of them, although Kadri was, but I don't. That was the. If you look at it, looked like this was the one hit wonder. I think he's a great player. It's not a slight. I just think it's maybe not as sustainable. So well, he he definitely overachieved this season than he has in the past. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But he is still nonetheless a, a very talented player and and a player that. Although he has made some really poor decisions with Toronto at times in the playoffs that landed him two different suspensions, uh, he is a kind of player that you might want on a team to help you push over the edge because he is skilled, but he's also gritty. Yeah. Now I'm looking at you, and, and it seems like you're you're caught on the no, top. No, I just no, no, no. Let, let, let's move to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now I would say, um, now according to our one of our insiders, Ryan Kuglin. He is getting paid Matt Murray or Toronto Maple. That's what I was laughing at. Matt Murray, four point seven million dollars, and at this point, really, 
why would you not re-sign Jack Campbell or even for if there five are times options? five? That's that's the deal. It's it's you're basically. I mean, the thing is, you don't have his long term, right? Like right. Murray's only there for two years. I get it. And they got some assets. To be fair, they did get. They don't have a lot of picks. They've traded a lot away, and a third round pick isn't nothing. But overall, like this is a, yeah, this is a pretty. I think for the Sens, considering the the trade before was going from seven to thirteen or, or uh, seven to sixteen, sorry, in the first round, the the seventh overall pick to the sixth overall pick. Um, this is a. I, a great trade for the Sens, although it's a it's a trade they put on themselves. I'm not saying Dorian is uh, not at fault for the predicament. It is his fault, but I think given everything, that it's not a bad trade. Um, and the idea is that they're trading Connor Brown. I'd imagine Connor Brown gets traded in the next couple of days. You're going to get assets back that basically replenish probably what you traded away. Um, to an extent, even with the Debrinket trade. So it's a phenomenal deal for Ottawa. I mean, not only do they get rid of a player that frankly does not deserve to be getting paid anywhere near that amount. um, They can also look in the free agency and try to get another goalie, as we mentioned, even though there aren't too many options available. And even what they have is fine. Like what they have with Forsberg Gustafson is good enough. They're they're not, the Leafs literally had no goalies. Their, right. their first two, their top two goalies were not there. And they traded away, I believe, uh, Marazic. Marazic, didn't they? Yeah. And, and I, that was a good trade on them, in a sense, because like Ottawa, people were saying you have to give up a maybe even a first-round pick for that dump, right? And in this case, they only gave up – they went down 13 spots in the draft, which is actually not that big of a deal, especially in a pretty mixed draft where it's not a – and it was at from 25 to 38, I think. So, um, yeah, uh, the Leafs are going to be interesting. Uh, I don't think Leafs Twitter likes this deal at all. Uh, I don't think many Leaf fans like this I think, deal. I think I was presuming that they were rerouting this through Arizona, maybe. And Arizona would maybe get a fourth and eat like a million dollars or something like that uh, to kind of get the cap hit for Murray to like the three million range, which I think actually isn't that bad a deal. But they're paying them four and a half over four point six million. Is that correct? Four point seven, I think. Yeah, that's nah. just crazy. Uh, and if you're the Sens, now you just opened up. Let's see if Cap Friendly has the trade updated. But if you're the Sens, you have now twenty five. You have okay. So Cap Friendly's well, they, added they, the they, trade. They have almost twenty five million dollars right now. The Sens do in in cap space, and the presumption is is that the Sens are now probably going to trade a second round pick and Nikita Zaitsev to get to to then around $30 million and Claude Giroux is coming home. So I'm looking at this Leafs team and I'm seeing this is a shit show. Not only do they have only $6 million left on their cap with key RFAs, Pierre Engvall, uh, Andre Casa, who I I don't think they said that they were going to resign. No, they they didn't qualify him, but they're trying to still sign him. Right. That's the deal. Yeah. But Rasmus Sandin's an RFA as well. Ilya Lubushkin is a UFA. And then, I mean, Ilya Mikheyev, who's been really solid, but he's is also not, a UFA. They're not going to resign not Ilya Mikheyev. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the thing I would like to mention next season, I, I really do feel like this has to be Toronto's season to take it to the next level and try to go for the cup. Now, they always lose in the first round. That is unacceptable. And, 
I mean, if they don't get past the first round next season, they're losing to UFA Alexander Kerfoot, who's been a really solid player for them, who can play the center, third line center, or on the winger or second line winger or something. Uh, David Kampf is also uh, UFA. Michael Bunting is, is going to be off his 950000 He's going to get a significant pay raise. Even if he's not scoring at the same rate that he was this or this season, next season, even if he's getting fewer points, he's still going to get paid in the you know, $2 million, $3 million range at least. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to have enough. They, yeah. Like, quite simply, the math – shows that they're the, not going to have enough to the work one with. thing i wonder and I, I i this is just complete speculation is do they trade hall in that third round pick maybe as a cap season? yeah because i don't see him playing that much and if i'm them i try to get rasmus sandine i don't think you get him more than maybe two and a half million at the most you're probably paying for him this year probably less actually probably like... less if i'm them i give a goodwill gesture and say hey you're part of this team because i think talent wise he's really good mm-hmm. uh, and with pierre engvall he's maybe two two and a half so labushkin maybe in the one to two million range so I just expect Hall to be gone in some capacity, and maybe they don't even have to. I don't, maybe they don't have to give up an asset. Maybe they just get like a fifth round pick. But if I'm them, that's who I trade, and then try to free up more cap space. But man, yeah, this is not a good year, and this is kind of the year for Sheldon Keith and Keith, sorry, and uh, Kyle, Kyle Dubis. Kyle Dubis, and this has not been a good start. I think Matt Murray, if he can be healthy, can be a good goalie for them. I'm not, I'm actually not that worried about that. He has, but it's such a big if. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's the thing is you're not getting someone that's durable, right? You're not getting Connor Hellebuck, who plays 60 games a year and has to be told, hey, stop playing, right? Uh, Although obviously Connor Hellebuck's better, but you get my point is that they're in a bit of a limbo and this is, Again, I, I don't want to go to the sense too much, but what a good trade for them. They give up a third round pick essentially for a guy that, you know, some people thought you'd have to give up. I mean, the other thing for Ottawa, they didn't really need to give up that contract, but but that that's presuming that's else. that's also I think you're presuming with this deal that they have something lined up. Right. Because right. they're not cap dumping to that extent, unless Darcy Kemper. No, not to the sense, but uh, yeah. Uh, even if I, I he he uh, did not, he was average with yeah. the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. So um, we'll we'll see, but um, the Leafs now have an extra third round pick next year. But again, they don't have a lot of picks. They they're missing their second next year. They're missing the third the year after, and missing a second in twenty twenty five. So they still miss a lot of picks. Right. So um, yeah, they're they're in a bit of a hellhole. Um, I still expect a lot of moves, um, or maybe not a lot, but let's see the TJ. Maybe even Jake Muzzin might get dealt mm. to that. He's getting paid five point six two five. That's tough, but maybe a team, years. maybe a team like a. Anaheim or a Devils that kind of wants to has has cap space and wants to get better and kind of can absorb that cap hit more and it's like Jake Muzzin's still a really good player it's just he's not Jake Muzzin of two three years ago right so um yeah wow what a trade you know what we need to do we need to get a resident Toronto expert 
Felix Cardi. Cardi, um, yeah, no, that was a fun. We'll have we'll have another pod where we do that, but yeah. um, this is interesting. We need to see where this goes because, as you mentioned, this this has to be Cal Dubas and you know, and now they don't even have a lot of money to sign a backup. Right, they don't. Yeah. They have a couple guys. Wall and Shalgren looked good enough, but that's not as they said. Have Six million to work with. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's why I think there must be another trade coming as well. And that's why I think the next couple of days we'll have a free agency pod later next week or this week, sorry, um, to kind of go over free agency because I think there's going to be a lot of trades now that are as a result of, okay, let's say Johnny Hockey goes to Philadelphia. They have to trade James Rams, Van Riemsdyk to Arizona, et cetera, et cetera. So it'll be interesting to see, but wow, what a, what a trade. And um, this is going to be really fun. Um Already, uh, so we're we're rapidly running out of time. Uh, why don't we get into the trades and uh, free agents in more detail next time? But let's just list them out. Yeah, um, or and, some and of the more important trades and free agent signings. Uh, do you want to take over the trades, and I'll go over the free agents? Yeah, I'll just go over the big ones. Obviously, the Avalanche moved on from Kemper, and they got Gorgiev for I think it was three times three or three point uh, 3.4 cap hit for the next three years. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good deal. Gorgiev will play against a really good team ahead of him. I don't know if Gorgiev is even that much better or worse than Kemper for that matter. Um, although he hasn't been good the past two years, but was really good earlier. McDonough got to went to Nashville for Philip Myers. And I think another guy, but basically a cap dump for um, Tampa Bay. They're still in cap hell, but they got a little bit of relief. Um, I think a big one that happened was Fiala to the Kings for a first and another basically first in Brock Faber, who's a nice prospect. He signed Kings, a seven-year, 7.875 AAV as well. Huge deal. Um, I think he's kind of worth it, but again, he wasn't great in the playoffs, but he's still young. He's about 25, I think. So um, because of the buyouts of Suter and Parise, they literally had no space. So that's why the wild had to make the trade. And I think they did pretty well um, and got a lot of assets back. The wild, both the wild and Kings are really interesting teams. They have a lot of young asset, a lot of young players. The thing is the wild are in cap hell and um, the, King are not, the Kings are not, and they're spending that capital. And also um, well, they so, also signed Adrian Kempe to, I believe four, four years, 5.5. Yeah, and he's a really good player. I think he had 30 goals last year. So um, that team's going to be really good. I think the Kings in that Pacific division, I think are probably the best team on paper. Oh, um, not the I best think, team? I think the, well, deepest. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that it's how good is McDavid and what else happens to the Oilers. But those are my top Flames. two teams. Flames, Flames are still good. But Goudreau. That's right. So, but if they get, if they get, even yeah, yeah, I don't know. No, no. But right now, if you look at who's, you know, yeah, 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 be I, there. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Fair okay. Enough. Um, Oilers dumped Cassian. Uh, we don't really need to get into that, but they got 3 million in cap space. We talked about Mrazic earlier. Um, moved down in the draft. Got, Leafs got some cap space. Vanacek went to the Devils for a couple seconds, um, or second and third. <coughs> Devils got their goalie. Um, a bit suspect, but we'll see. Tony D went to the Flyers and then signed a two times uh, 10 or two, uh, two times, times five, five, two times five. In that for $10 million. So yeah. um, sorry guys, I'm going very quick, but that's an interesting deal. The 
the sends were linked to him, but that, you know, Tony D'Angelo has a lot of flaws personally. So, um, well, especially off the ice, but yes, we don't need yes, to get yeah. back. But he's that. a good hockey And that's player. what you're alluding to. Yeah. Uh, but again, uh, we'll, we'll see kind of what happens. But yeah, it's uh, a, Billy Huso to the Detroit Red Wings for three yeah. years, 4.75 million yeah. AV. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury, seven million, three point, or sorry, two years, three point five million for uh, AV. Chris Letang, uh, six years, six, six. years, six point one. He must million. be going to LTR. There must be a wink, wink. Like he can't be. He's going to get paid six point, million at some point, not at right 41 now. Forty-one or something. Yeah, no, no. He's yeah. still really good. He's still amazing. Uh, the big, the big news there also is that Evgeny Malkin is going to be going testing to out for agency. Yep. He's still pretty much a almost point per game player. So yeah. I, I do wonder how much he might fetch in the open market or there's also really some where he might actually he, go. He, there's also some rumor, rumors he's kind of doing this to kind of stick it to people, like to the penguins. Right. But uh, he's we'll, pissed. He's pissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Andrew Cogliano, one year, 1.5. Oh, 1. <laughs> uh, of course, we mentioned Brock Besser, three years, 6.5. 6.65 sorry uh nick paul good on him good on him seven-year deal 3.15 uh he proved in the playoffs that he is an outstanding player and a, a really you know important piece mm-hmm. uh, and important workhorse that ottawa will surely miss miss in the future but that's but, a, that's know. a that's a deal where it's a win now deal like i love nick paul but his yeah. worry was always skating and he's gonna be 34 four-ish and making three million but again the cap will go up so all those contracts much, look yeah. bad but they're gonna be the cap's probably like 110 million or maybe not that high but it'll be 100 million probably by the time uh, he ends that so it's not as bad mm. any other uh trades you want to mention um not really i think uh, i just wanted to say there was a klingberg link to the sends, which I just lulled that in the notes. Um, I don't understand that, but apparently like it, it, multiple people have done that cop has been, I'm just going through free agents cop linked to Detroit, which is interesting. As we mentioned, Kemper's basically going to Washington and Campbell's basically going to the, um, to Edmonton. Burkowski is going to hit the market. Um, Josh Manson's been linked to the ducks, but, kind of everywhere it'll be interesting to see where the strom brothers go um i doubt they're going to go as a duo but that would be interesting uh ricard raquel who pittsburgh gave up a lot i think it was a two seconds or a second and a third um is going to hit free agency so again penguins losing players left and right uh and um Kadri has just been linked to almost every team seattle seattle seems like they're in on all the big guys um, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, they have if, the option during the rebuild. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a Klingberg or a Kadri or even a Goudreau, someone that is the top tier free agent goes there because they just have the money to work them in. So um, same with Burakovsky. He's been linked to Seattle. So we'll see. But it'll be really fun. And um, I'm, I'm super excited. There's going to be a lot of moving parts in the next couple of days. And Free agency only two days away. Um, I think we could maybe even do a free agency pod reaction maybe after day one. Maybe we'll yep. we'll see. What I, I think we'll, we'll get something together for. I think I think the fourteenth is probably a good day. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. give us give us a little time to uh, prep. There'll be it. there'll be a couple. Tr- uh, like it won't all happen at once, right? So, right. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I, I think that caps it off. We are a bit extra time. 
<laughs> use a bit okay. extra time there. But a lot happened. A lot happened. A lot to cover. Um, this is an exciting time for off-season draft and and trades and and everything. The whole shebang. Um, so you know, thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. Uh, a lot to come in the next couple days and couple weeks, really. Uh, and, and we we look forward to bringing it to you. So till then, uh, thank you, Alex, for being here as always. Um, and, and until next time, thank you, dear listener, for listening. Take care. Cheers.